We were having a little bit of fun about the parade down in Kansas City at the top of the show. Of course, uh, not an uncommon thing as tragically as it is. Police say multiple people struck by gunfire uh, near the Chiefs parade. Two people have been taken into custody. So we're monitoring that situation uh, down there. But uh, about once a month, we get an opportunity to visit with uh, North Dakota's lone congressman, uh, Kelly Armstrong, get a pulse on what's going on out in Washington. Of course, now... Uh, with him running for uh, uh, governor of North Dakota. We'll get the latest on that as well. Congressman, I appreciate your time. How you been? Pretty good, Tyler. How about you? I didn't even hear about that in Kansas City until just now. Yeah, so, just uh, uh, we'll check into that. Moments ago, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs having the parade. There's, you know, I don't know if it was hundreds of thousands. There's a lot of people there. And, of course, gunfire raining out. But uh, we'll get people in the know on that. Because I know we have listeners uh, that are family members down in that area. Uh, Congressman, been a busy uh, stretch uh, out in Washington. In fact, I, I want to start with something I didn't expect at all. Uh, a colleague of yours on the House Intelligence Committee is kind of raising a red flag, so to speak, uh, putting a siren out there saying, hey, there's a national security threat that we need to take serious. I don't remember ever seeing a, an approach like this before. Is there anything you can give the listeners peace of mind on? Uh, I haven't got the briefing yet. I'm going to go down there after sometime in the next hour and a half. Apparently it takes about five minutes, but, but uh, and that's not a, that's not a putt, Tyler. Cause after I get the briefing, it's in a skiff. So I can't yeah. talk to you about it anyway, but, yeah. uh, it's, it's, I mean, there's been some, I've just seen what I've seen come across and that it's serious, but not existential. But until I go down there, I, I, I really don't have an answer. I just got out of a hearing in energy and commerce. Mm -hmm. so. I just, it was an unusual thing. I mean, a, a way to spread panic without really having <laughs> detail. I just, that's my opinion on that. Uh, oh, I agree. I, I think I actually agree with that. I think it probably could have been handled a little differently. Yeah, well, we agree there. Here's something we might not agree on. <laughs> I'm sure you're shocked. Uh, you voted to impeach uh, Mayorkas. Uh, last night, second go around, uh, this one's successful. Uh, of course, first one, not uh, as much because of math, but give the reason why you voted to impeach Mayorkas. Well, it starts, I mean, there's a lot of reasons. One, he's been, uh, this is the first time since 1876 that a cabinet secretary has been impeached, but I mean, he's made conscious and deliberate choices to violate the laws that we've passed. I mean, specific statutes that require him to detain people that he refuses to detain, and not the least of which knowingly lied to Congress. But also there's a Supreme Court decision that says states have no right to enforce executive branch to enforce immigration law. So the next remedy is Congress, and this is our remedy. And he, he's earned it. <laughs> when it comes to specific violations of statutes, give me a couple examples. Well, there are people you are required by statute to detain and not turn into the country, and they are using an absolutely ridiculous and unattainable standard to never have to do that, particularly with violent criminals and a drastic misapplication of the parole process that has had over a million people let loose into the interior of the country. I mean, those are two very specific laws that I, they absolutely are refusing to follow. So does that constitute, because the way I understand it, it comes down to high crimes and misdemeanors. I, I mean, is that the case here, or is it just, hey, he's not enforcing the law of which we've provided, and this is our remedy because he's the executive branch? Well, everybody else who wouldn't violate the law would get, or who violates the law passed by Congress gets charged with a crime. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he's the secretary of the yeah. cabinet doesn't mean he gets to just completely disregard the law. When it comes to border security, and it's along these these lines because you talk about releasing those that are detained, and I saw this, uh, the Washington Post, so I'm not sure if you had a chance, but 
uh, ICE is considering mass release uh, to close the budget gap. Uh, they're saying, look, you know, without the $700 million, now we're going to have a, a budget shortfall here within ICE, the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, one of the ways in which we can maybe fill that gap is uh, uh, changing our deten detention rates from like 38000 down to 22000 Have you had a chance to look into this? Uh, yeah, I saw the report yesterday. It's unbelievable. I mean, to me, it's just predictable. Their answer is we need more money. Uh, we always need more money. I would say just reinstitute remain in Mexico and you could have you would have a real ability to do this right now. Uh, I think that's one thing that we forget. Uh, I have a lot of my colleagues saying that we don't need to pass a law. The president could do this on his own. And I, I, I don't entirely agree with that. Um, well, I, a lot of what we passed in HR2 was forcing the president to comply with the laws that he has. I mean, the problem occurred when he became president and he reversed uh, several of Trump's uh, executive orders. He could put those two executive orders back in place right now, and it would be a lot safer way to deal with this than releasing that many people into the interior. If hearing a legislator talk about executive orders and promoting those is something I didn't know that I would be hearing uh, saying, look, go ahead and sign the paper. When I think th there is something to be said about the legislative process, and I think you'd probably agree with this, but you can tell me I'm wrong if you don't, that, I mean, the, the congressional side of this has been so far behind as well. I mean, even long before, I mean, you and I were out in the North Dakota Senate, 2013, there was an opportunity, and here we are again, and it seems as though the chamber you're in right now is the one that's kind of told the Senate no, and now we're just kind of spinning tires and nothing's being done on this. So well, Congress I, has a role in this as well. Yeah, we passed HR2 last May. We passed it last May. Yeah. We, we're the only ones with a live immigration bill right now and border security bill. Uh, in case you didn't notice, the Senate doesn't usually listen to us, as is uh, fully uh, on display in the last 48 hours. We have a live bill. We passed it to them in May. They decided to negotiate with one of their little gangs that they like to get over, get together over there starting at Christmas, uh, and they didn't have enough support to get it through on their own side. So, uh, I, I mean, if they pass us an immigration or a border security bill, we have ours. We'll go to conference. But as far as I, I mean, I, I'm a little frustrated with this whole process, and I'm a little frustrated with people I consider friends on the Senate side saying that their 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 option is the only game in town because they can't even move their option. The the not moving their option, uh, well, there's an elephant in the room, pun sort of intended, and it has to do with the front runner of uh, the Republican Party for president saying, "Don't do this." How much weight does Donald Trump's truth socials carry with your speaker of the house mike johnson because from afar it looks as though he's getting marching orders from somebody that's not even elected right now oh i i mean i think president trump has a tremendous amount of support in uh the republican conference particularly on the house side i don't know i i think that it's a, more of a political machination to say that anybody is saying i've known mike johnson a long time i don't think he takes marching orders from anybody uh, but I also think that there are a lot of frustration from Republicans on the House side in general on this subject because, again, we sent them a bill almost a year ago, and they decided at the last minute to negotiate completely outside those uh, boundaries. The president won't meet with the, the current president won't meet with the speaker, and we weren't engaged in any of those negotiations. And I think there were just too many people that thought they were going to send a bill to us, and that's just the way it was going to have to be. Uh, there's a reason this was the there's the reason this was HR two and the second bill we passed. We know it's an issue. We've known it's an issue for a long time, 
and uh, it was just completely disregarded and treated uh, in a space where, like I said, they just completely said, no, we're not going to do that. Here's the bill. You guys have to take it. And I think they're figuring out that that wasn't the appropriate way to do it either. You're not going to hear me uh, defending the the political courage or sometimes lack thereof of the United States Senate on this issue and others. So uh, I understand. Well, but it's also the, it's the dithering. It's, and by the way, I do blame the White House and I do blame Senator Schumer for this more than anybody. The waiting, the waiting, the waiting. Like this wasn't an issue last May. I mean, uh, to be uh, to be 100% honest, if they kick us an immigration bill similar to what they did and they do it five, six months ago and we have time. I mean, there's a reason we tried to negotiate H.R. 2. I helped write it for a CR in September. I mean, we we were fully prepared to engage on that subject. And the way just the way they went about it made it impossible, particularly did, impossible when they can't even pass it over to us. Yeah, well, that's where I come back to the lack of courage on the political aspects of this in the Senate is something to uh, certainly take note of. And I'm putting that very mildly here because it's a family-friendly show. When it comes to H.R. 2 versus, obviously, I mean, we're kind of hypothetical here because the Senate didn't pass their version. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean— were there glaring differences that would have absolutely said, well, look, this doesn't even come remotely close because I've seen some of the breakdowns and it seems, and of course, you know how the spin works amongst aides. Oh, for sure. There. And of course it's like, well, look, HR two does not do this. Senate bill does do this. What's the biggest barrier to that bill? Had it actually passed the Senate and gotten to the house? Well, I think codifying 5,000 releases a day was a huge non-starter. Uh, not giving Border Patrol operational. I, I've always said my number one concern and the only concern on this issue is giving our law enforcement operational control of the border again. And I and from speaking to people, I mean, were there things in there that were uh, helpful? Yes, but just not enough. And being able to codify an absolute release of 5,000 people a day is the wrong-headed approach. And that's what it did. They could say whatever. They could say however they want, but that's exactly what it did. Congressman, I got to get a weather update. You got just a little bit more time for me. I want to ask about a couple other things that are going on out in Congress. And, of course, you're running for governor in North Dakota. I want to get the latest on that. You got just a little bit more time? Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna be, I'll am gonna. i be walking, so if there's wind, don't hold it okay. against me. Uh, sounds, sounds good. Congressman Kelly Armstrong, or if you sound winded, I'll just tell you to hit the gym out there. We'll get you a weather update from Tuta Tom. We'll come back continue this conversation next on KFGO. Congressman Kelly Armstrong, our guest, of course, a gubernatorial candidate uh, seeking the Republican uh, nomination uh, to be the next governor here in North Dakota. And, Congressman, I want to ask you, I, I'm getting similar comments, but I'll put it in my way here. I think one of the first times after you got the majority in the House, uh, you had made comment that, hey, now we got to go prove that we can actually govern. And my question is, have you proved that the Republicans can govern in Congress? Uh, I mean, yeah, we passed we passed the most significant federal spending cut. Uh, unfortunately, too many of my own colleagues criticize it, but that has happened in a generation. We got permitting reform that is going to be absolutely essential to North Dakota uh, as we move through. We just we just passed a substantial tax break that helps for R&D, first-year expensing, uh, continues to do all of those things. Uh, unfortunately, we spend a little too much time spent stepping, as I like to say, stepping on a rake and having too much performative art and a little less uh, uh, of the actual workings towards governing. But, yeah, I'm proud of those things that we've gotten done because they're really important in North Dakota. 
Uh, the question when it comes to governing here, then, about the next thing is, of course, national security. And when you're watching the performative stuff you just mentioned, of course, it comes back to Senate versus House. Like, get that. Uh, but I, I've, I've taken note that it seems the House is really pretty much demanding, or not demanding, dictating is the word I'm looking for, what the Senate can and can't do. I don't know that I've seen that before. Uh, but the, the latest being the, you know, aid to Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan, the list goes on. And, and I'm reading even Senator Kevin Kramer is saying, look, the, you know, what's rich to me as a speaker says the border bill in the Senate is dead on arrival. And then they proceed with impeaching a cabinet secre- a secretary, which is obviously dead on arrival in their chamber. But that was supposed to be a part of a, the broader national security bill that was ripped out. All that being said and done, now it sounds as though the Senate national security package that would go to Ukraine, go to Israel, might not be taken up in the House. It was reported that like 107 Republicans would, in fact, likely support that bill. I'm curious if you'd be one of the 107. Uh, not in its current form. Uh, one, I have a hard time doing supplementals before we've actually done the appropriation process, which doesn't make any sense to me at all. But two, each one of those should be brought up individually. I've supported the Ukraine or the Israel funding twice, once with the offset, which I think is the right way to do it. The second time without the offset, because I think it's existential and they need it. Uh, I think I've told you this. I don't think there's anything that deserves a more robust debate on the floor of the U.S. House than what our long-term goals and strategy is on Ukraine. But I think when you're trying to lump all of these three together, you're going to have a huge problem. By the way, I, I'm, I'm back home. I'm speaking at Lincoln Day dinners. I'm talking to people all across the state. They are not particularly interested in giving another blank check to the Ukraine when we can't even deal with the issues we need to deal with at home. The uh, the question when it comes to that is the the education of how important it is. And I'm not trying to say, well, they just don't get it. That's not what I mean. But I do think that the position that, like yourself, when it comes to Ukraine and some of these other national securities, because it's not here. You can't go, unless it's on a nightly newscast showing the horrific conditions there, really understand how our aid to that area helps us at home. Do, do you ever get an opportunity to do that? Well... My problem with this, Tyler, is the White House has never done it. You know, I wish uh, Kirby would come out and talk about the Ukraine the same way he's come out and talked about Israel. I'll give you one. This is what North Dakotans understand. 35% of the world's exportable wheat comes from the Donbass region of the Ukraine. 35%. We've already seen what happens when Russia controls the natural gas market in Europe. Uh, energy prices, inflation, all of those different issues, not, to, not the least of which they're funding their war, they're funding their war on the increase. But does anybody think it's a good idea that Russia controls the worldwide wheat supply? I don't think they do. But that's why you need to have a robust debate. The other answer, though, is you can't say, here's the check, Zelensky, and you can keep you can keep spending American dollars that we are borrowing against until Russia's out of Crimea, of which they were in before this invasion started. That's the wrong approach as well. And nobody has ever made the case to the American people about what the hell our plan is over there. Final question. I can hear that you're in a crowded room here, uh, and it's got to do with the same issue, but it's NATO. I mean, we're part of this North American alliance uh, or North Atlantic alliance here. When it comes to the former president saying, look, if they don't pay in, I mean, it's convoluted. His depiction of it's not accurate. I mean, NATO's got a big role. I'm curious your opinion on what he had to say about NATO and, quite frankly, saying, well, rush out and encourage them. Uh, well, he was 
describing a conversation he had had, and it's important to recognize that when President Trump was president, uh, I think eight more countries actually got to their 2%, which they're supposed to have their GDP as NATO. That being said, I wish he'd spend more time on the UN and the WHO and some of these organizations that are completely feckless, because I actually think NATO is incredibly important, and I think it's going to be even more important in the future as we start talking about Arctic missions and critical critical minerals at of all the organizations that I think we could attack at, at the at that international level, I think NATO's pretty low on the list. Well, I got a minute left for you. I'll let you get back after it. I lied. I got one more question. You're running for governor. How's, the, right. race, how's the race going? You know, I got to speak at a Lincoln Day dinner in Bismarck on Lincoln's birthday. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, the biggest difference between politicking in D.C. and politicking in North Dakota is the hugs I get. Uh, I didn't recognize how much I missed so many people in North Dakota since I had the opportunity to start doing this. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. We're taking it really seriously. But also at the same time, uh, we have pretty small majorities in Congress, and I'm not going to miss any votes out here while I'm trying to, while I'm trying to run for governor. Well, but I drew, a primary, I, I drew a primary in my congressional race, too, so it was going to be the same. It was going to be the same fight either way. They, they, they happen to be the same district. <laughs> Here's what I want from you. Next time you're in North Dakota and you're in Fargo, you stop on in. We'll uh, uh, have a longer conversation. I'll let the listeners ask some questions, all right? Yeah, I would love to do it. I actually love doing it in the studio. I've yeah. done it with Joe a couple times, and we will absolutely make that happen. All right. Well, our people will talk to your people. Until then, you take care, all right, Kelly? See you, Tyler. All right, yep. Kelly Armstrong, uh, Congressman of North Dakota, wanting to be your next governor. I got a lot of co comments, questions in. I tell you what. So next half hour is you, me, this microphone, your cell phone. What'd you hear that you liked? What'd you hear that you did not like? Lots of comments coming in about the whole border security, the Mayorkas vote. I'm coming back to your response to that, and we'll let you know about what's going on down in Kansas as well. At least uh, five people hospitalized after a Super Bowl rally shooting down there. Afternoon's Live is rolling on. You got it locked into 790 AM, 94.1 and 104.7 FM, KFGO.